Welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California Inferior. It's a joy to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy right here, right now, I get to speak to a legend of the California wrestling scene right here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is without a doubt the rude, crude and tattooed punk rock powerhouse. He's big, bad, bustling, brawling, Bo Cooper. How are you, bro? What's up, brother? Wow, what an introduction. I appreciate that, man. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's that's no problem, bro. I'm I'm real pumped to learn a little bit about your journey in pro wrestling. And uh, uh, the last time I saw you perform was at XPW California uh, this past April, taking on Silas Young. Um, this was a crazy show. Um, so, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of start things off by talking about something recent here. How was that experience for you? Uh, because, you know, my research told me that was your, your first match in a few years. Yeah, um, you know, I've been doing this quite a while. Uh, I'm 42 years old. I started doing pro wrestling when I was uh, 15 when I started training. So, uh, you know, I never really stopped. So my body, obviously, it's taken a toll on me. Uh, I thought I was pretty much done with pro wrestling uh, after having my last match in ring uh, was two years ago in August with Sabu uh, for a company called uh, Pro Wrestling Unplugged up north uh, out here in uh, Central California. Uh, I can't, I went down to the XPW show uh, not knowing, you know, what to expect. Uh, Rob said, yeah, sure, show up, you know, kid, and we'll see what, what can happen, you know. Um, I was mainly there just to support the show and say hi to some old friends, uh, you know, my, my buddy Vic Grimes and Pogo and you know, the list goes on. I haven't seen those guys in shit 10 years. You know, it's been a, it's been a long time. Uh, so I just went down there, um, you know, with, with, with my mind open and whatever, you know, could uh, possibly happen. I'd be willing to do. Um, and Rob, you know, pulled me aside and said, Hey, you know, we, we would like to have you go against uh, Silas Young. And I said, Hey man, he's a great talent. Um, it was the opening show. Uh, and we went out there and we, we had a great match and, I have nothing but respect for Silas, uh, you know, even though he cheated to, to win, you know, he, he gave me the low blow and rolled me up with his uh, sneaky status the way he did. But yeah, I mean, it was fun, man. The crowd took really well uh, to not, after not seeing me for so long, um, you know, with it being my home uh, state, Southern California, um, they took pretty well to, to, to seeing me again, which was awesome. So it was, it was a good, it was a good feeling, you know, getting the, the pop that I did. Yeah, that's cool, bro. Yeah, it was a great match. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Silas Young myself. So uh, um, good to see you uh, partake. And, you know, who knows what the what the future holds there. Um, you know, if, if there were more opportunities to work on uh, future XPW shows, would you be willing to uh, participate? Oh, 100%. You know, uh, Rob Black, you know, the controversy that goes around XPW obviously is there, which I love. Uh, the fact that 18 years ago, he brought something to California that a lot of federations never even got to do or see. Uh, and the fans never got to see, you know, his extreme ways of, of doing business. And I've, I was always, um, you know, an admirer from afar because when XPW was around, I was 
traveling the States, trying to make a big name for myself. Um, and I know he had his committed group of guys that, you know, he was pushing and I always wanted to be a part of XBW. I just never really had the opportunity or the time because I, like I said, I was doing my own thing, trying to, you know, make my name other elsewhere rather than just staying at one spot. But yeah, man, I would love to be a part of XPW. Um, I'll, I'll be around. I'll be around. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be at the next show. Um, I know they have that amazing stacked card of, of all the, some of the greatest women, you know, come June 25th. Uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a hell of a card, man. Those girls huh, are, are some of the best talent out there right now. And for Rob to get all of them in a women's tournament for the, for the new women's title, that's, that's amazing. So uh, I suggest anyone that hasn't gotten tickets for that show, you know, please do so because it's going to be a hell of a show. Definitely. I've seen the uh, participants as well. And well, I mean, all the, all you need to do is put Camille on the card and I'm, I'm there, but uh, uh, adding in the other seven ladies, uh, <clears throat> it's going to be a hell of a show. Um, but I, now I want to kind of move all the way back to the beginning here, Bo. I wanted to ask, as I usually ask everybody in the show, how did you like become a fan of professional wrestling when you were a young man? What was the, was there a moment where the bug bit you and, and you just couldn't get it out of your system? Um, I always had two passions in life, man. Pro wrestling was one of them at a very young age. And I always was intrigued by Halloween and horror, even at a very young age. You know, I used to sneak downstairs at late at night and watch horror movies. And then I'd wake up on Saturday mornings and watch rock and roll, uh, wrestling connection, you know, the cartoon. And I was always intrigued by, you know, the larger than life characters, like every kid would be. Um, but you know, I think I, I was interested in the beginning and I kind of lost you know, a little bit of interest around maybe seven or eight. And then when I was about 10, I really, really started watching it again. And I became a huge fan. And my mom used to take me to all the house shows uh, out here at the LA Sports Arena and the Long Beach Convention Center. And uh, I just, I once seeing it live, I knew that's something that I, I wanted to do. I became such a huge fan, collecting all the figures and having, you know, my my comforter be WWF and, and my pillowcases and everything was just pro wrestling, pro wrestling. I remember buying a leather jacket and going into elementary school while my mom buying it for me, obviously. And then pretending like I was, you know, Bret Hart at such a young age, even <laughs> though I was a big chunky kid. Um, but what really got me into pro wrestling, uh, well, the way I broke in was I was actually at a house show out here in Los Angeles and I got there super early. Um, all the wrestlers were loading in, you know, the building with their gear bags and everything. And I was just a Mark kid trying to get autographs. And I told one of the wrestlers that walked by, hey, I want to do this one day like you. And he actually stopped, took take the time to talk to me real quick. And he looked at me and he said, well, if you're serious, and he kind of looked at my mom and said, if, if he's serious, there is a wrestling school, you know, that's uh, accepting, you know, students. Um, and it was one of the first wrestling schools out here in California. It was the school of hard knocks. And that wrestler was actually Louis Spicoli. Um, and he gave me the business number to call. And uh, we called it, I think like a week later, my mom reached out and uh, Bill Anderson answered the phone. He said, well, how old is he? And at the time I was like, I think 11 or, or I think I was like 12, actually. No, I was 12. And they said, no, nah, you know, you're too young, kid. Maybe come back in a couple of years. I said, OK. And then about a year and a half man later, or maybe two years later, I was listening to um, a kind of like a podcast back then, but it was through cable network television and it was called Wrestling Shadow Man. And he kept mentioning the school of hard knocks. And I remember that being the school. And I said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to try to do it again. I'm going to call them up. And I told them, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm ready. I'm really willing to come down. They said, okay, come down, kid. Let's see what you got. So I, I, I drove down every Saturday morning, uh, paid the tuition, got my ass kicked for like six months straight um, by a bunch of 
big beefy guys and luchadors and I, I learned how to take you know the bumps correctly um and you know then i started really wanting to improve myself because i was getting my you know ass kicked sweating every day and really wanting to learn the craft of this now that i've gotten through the the hard part of, well it never gets easy but the hard part of you know the beginning um and then i was thinking in my mind i was ready and obviously my trainers jesse hernandez and bill anderson saw that i wasn't ready because I, I actually trained for two years straight um and i was getting frustrated obviously because i was like hey i want this i want this but they were such professionals they knew rather than you know just throwing me a, a silver spoon going oh, okay go out there kid they wanted to see me perform well because i was coming from their school um so i debuted in 97 i was 17 i'm so terrible with these dates man i should know this may, may 4th of 97 i debuted as the hangman under a gimmick hood and I had my first match against a big old biker guy named Crazy KC. On my 17th birthday, I was gifted the flyer that I was on the anniversary show for the Empire Wrestling Federation. So uh, quick little side note real quick. Louis Spicoli, the one that gave me the phone number, actually showed up to the day that I was there uh, on my first day of training. And he remembered me, which was really cool. So that's why my homage to my, my finishing move is the Spicoli driver in honor of him, you know, since he's no longer with us. So. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool, man. I, and I completely understand two years would probably be frustrating to a young man wanting to get out there finally and do it. Um, so, so how did the, the first uh, uh, match, the debut match against Crazy KC go, um, you know, after two years of waiting to, to get out there? Yeah, I mean, I, I was a little not I don't want to say disappointed because I was just happy that I finally got my big match. Um, but I was under a, a hood and, you know, obviously I wanted to be Bo Cooper because, you know, that's any, anyone's wants to be themselves, you know, in pro wrestling or get the most pop they can for themselves. But, uh, once again, Bill Anderson and Jesse Hernandez were so smart that I had a baby face and long blonde hair at the time. If you can believe that I'm bald now, <laughs> more than eager. uh, but I paid my dues with them. And it was one of those things where now I look back at it. I thank them very much because if they would have thrown me out there as a baby face kid, the crowd might have not taken me as serious instead of having an evil menace gimmick. But KC, man, you know, he was like a 330-pound, legit, big-ass biker dude. And I, you know, now I look like the big biker guy. But back then, I was just a, you know, young kid. Um, I was tall, a little bit chunky, but, you know, the match went very smooth. Uh, I remember him finishing me off with his uh, full Nelson sit-down, kind of like Bubba Ray Dudley does. Back yeah. in the day, he sits down with the guy, and that was the finishing move I took. One, two, three, and then... Went on to have a battle royal that night, uh, got ribbed a little bit. You know, I got my tuitions. Uh, Louis Piccoli ripped my mask off and then took me down, covered me up and just rubbed my hair and said, you know, put it back on, kid. And then that was it. You know, so it was it was an emotional, fun night for me to make my uh, long, long journey of becoming a pro wrestler a reality, you know. Yeah, that's super cool, bro. Um, uh, the South California wrestling scene in, in that time period, I I haven't had the chance to talk to anyone that was uh, uh, at that part of the country in that scene at the time. So if could you tell me a little bit about what the scene was like at that time and, and the health of uh, the independent scene there? Yeah, um, you know, I get a lot of I get a lot of critiques nowadays from from a lot of younger wrestlers because I, I come from an era where you're actually in there with like grown men that are taking this shit so serious. I don't know if I can, I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep yes, saying no, I'm Australian. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, the, you're, you know, I was in there with guys that took this so serious and I'm not saying people don't take it serious nowadays, but 
this was a man's world and I was a kid and they made sure that, hey, if you're going to be in this, you're going to get, you know, you're going to be known that we're going to not just take it easy on you. Um, you know, I never really got hurt. No one tried to like kick my ass to the point where I was bleeding or anything, you know, but I got, I got some pretty stiff shots and they tested, uh, you know, they tested me. Um, and, and to answer your question back then, the locker rooms were very protective. They wouldn't just let anyone in there. You know, if they didn't know who you were and you didn't know, or they didn't know that you came from a reputable school or, or, or they didn't, they never heard of you and you're just some fly by night wrestler that they, you know, they're going to protect their locker room. They're going to protect their trainers. They're going to protect the show and they're going to protect themselves. Um, so it's, it was almost like a mafia style attitude in a way, you know, if you weren't known or you weren't trying to come from a reputation of a school that was known, you probably wouldn't have lasted. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting uh, the differences uh, between <laughs> just just every time I, I I've I've had people on the show that started in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties. It's it's just interesting to see how uh, different it is in in different eras. Um, well, the cool the cool thing about you know back then, at least in California as a whole, there was only a few promotions that were le like legitimate, really good promotions, and you know Empire Wrestling Federation, my home fed. Uh, was on top out here in Southern California at the time. Up north was like all pro wrestling. Um, that oh, was yeah. a big deal. You know, all pro wrestling, oh, Roland Alexander, you know, God rest his soul. Um, and then you had like the Lucha scene, which was pretty hot. You know, like Martin Marin, who ran out of the Anaheim marketplace. You know, he he had his guys that were all luchas at luchadors. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it was, there was also, you know, obviously little feds here and there. I remember a promotion called uh, NWC, uh, national wrestling conference i i used to go up there in vegas and watch the shows and they had some of the biggest names on the cards i mean they had ultimate warrior they had mankind sabu um you know guys that have made huge names for themselves as but they now they were on the independent level so it was crazy to for me growing up watching these guys that was like my first taste of seeing an independent show you know what i mean with all the guys that i watched on tv for a long time you know i would tear down the ring and help out and give water and all that stuff and but yeah, so I mean, the, the territory, it was like territories, you know, it really was. Now, now there's millions of promotions. I couldn't even tell you who runs them. I mean, I see flyers <laughs> every day on Twitter, Facebook, you know, and I just go, I don't, I don't know who to even contact you if I want to get booked on these things, you know, I mean. <laughs> Understood, Bray. Um, the, the, was there a dream still in your system at that point to go to uh, WWF or go to WCW, something like that? Was that the ultimate goal for you uh, at that stage of your life? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I was first breaking in, obviously my dream was WWF. WWF. I wanted to be, you know, where everyone else was my heroes you know the guys that i looked up to um and i started getting the attitude well I, i'm just as good as them i i deserve i'm a big boy i can handle it you know let's go let's put me on tv let's see what i can do uh i got a tryout match uh in front of bruce pritchard um he, he looked at us and he said hey you know good kid thing that i always tell people is like hey how come you never went to wwf uh i feel that at the time when i did get looked at i was medium-sized and i'm six foot three you know right now i'm you know pushing four almost but it's one of those things where then I was probably six, six, two, and I was probably maybe 300, 320, which is a big guy. But, you know, you have guys that are like Undertaker Kane, you know, yeah. Brock even is taller than me. And then they weren't in the aspect just yet of bringing in cruiserweights. So I was kind of like stuck in the middle. Um, that's the way I look at it. I mean, uh, but other than that, I mean, if you ask me my main dream, 
when I was a little bit older, I, I wanted to go to ECW. Um, you know, I, I, I got to, uh, when, when Bill Anderson and Jesse Hernandez split, uh, the school, they went their separate ways. Um, I think I was about three years in of, of having pro matches. I, I moved to Florida and I got, uh, my opportunity to train with Dean Malenko at his wrestling school. And Jeff Bradley was the original Dudley Dudley. And, you know, he really liked me and he said, Hey, you have a good look kid, keep it up. And he kind of winked at me. So that was my hope that I would have kind of smoothed my way into that route. Cause ECW in Florida was pretty hot. Uh, I was living with Gangrel and Luna Vachon at the time. Uh, they kind of they kind of had their house open for all the students that would come and train with the Malinkos that were out of towners. Every single guy that trained with Dean pretty much made it. Tony Mamaluke was there. He went to ECW. Yeah. Uh, JJ Perez went to All Japan or New Japan. I can't remember which one. And I got actually hurt. My knee got blown out. Um, I had a real bad knee injury about six months into training up there, and I had to fly back to California get my knee rescoped and all that. So. And then the school closed down. So there goes my opportunity. But I mean, and then ECW closed down. <laughs> and then they closed down. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's it's a, definitely an interesting uh, period of time in pro wrestling when ECW and WCW both go under in the space of three months of each other. Um, right. Just, yeah. So now the options uh, get very small if you want to get signed to a major promotion to all those independent wrestlers out there trying to get a contract. Um, I wanted to uh, ask you about. 2002, 27th of October, at a show called uh, Children of the Night for CWA in uh, Napomo, California, I think is how you pronounce it. You wrestle the Honky Tonk Man. Um, I just wanted to see if there was a story there of, of, of working with uh, a legend like Honky Tonk Man. I've got the honor to work with a lot of old school legends, man. And I'll tell you, my favorite legend that I ever got the chance to be in the ring with when it comes to that old school, you know, WWF, WCW kind of legend would be the Honky Tonk Man. Um, the first tour I ever kind of like left the nest and went out of California uh, was up to Oregon around that area. And I ended up wrestling the Honky Tonk Man like four days in a row. <laughs> and we just, he, he took care of me and I just, I shut up and I just listened to him and I didn't care what I looked like when it comes to having him, you know, he didn't squash me. He gave me a lot, but it was one of those things where, now looking back at it, I thought to myself, okay, I could have gotten a little bit more in, but at the same time, I knew I was in the ring with the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. <laughs> so um, to answer your question, that night uh, was a cool, fun time for me because I've already wrestled him probably like three or four times. And he came to a show uh, that was run by my good buddy, Billy Blade, who's still doing really well out there and, and having big shows. He runs the Micromania tours. Hockey came in and uh, I was the heel which was pretty, pretty different from what I was used to. Cause he, you know, he was usually the heel and I'd be the big baby face and get the pot from the crowd. But uh, I remember cutting a promo at children of the night and saying, Hey, if there, or I said, I don't give a damn who I wrestled. Give or some, what was the exact now? I got all screwed up. It was a, uh, Hey, give me somebody out here to wrestle. I don't give a damn who it is. And that's the exact, <laughs> that's the exact uh, promo he cut for warrior and SummerSlam. So that was fun. You know, and I remember he kind of said, hey, Matt, why don't we go a little hardcore tonight, Bo? I know you're all tattooed now, and why don't we go a little hardcore? I said, what do you want to do? And he goes, I don't know, man. Give me a big chop. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So that was his way of going hardcore. But, man, I hope Honky's doing well. I, I, I really see uh, – uh, I see – I really see him on Twitter nowadays, but I, I know he's still doing things here, and there are probably signings. I don't know if he's still working, but he's a great – he's a great human being. That's cool, bro. I had to bring that up because I'm a big fan of his. Um yeah. 
2003, I believe this is the year that this happens. You win the uh, EWF Heavyweight Championship uh, for the first time. Uh, I, I would imagine that having that long journey to get there to to be you know given this uh, opportunity to be the the top guy for the company must have been quite meaningful for you. Oh, very much so. Yeah, I mean it. It was long past due. Uh, my good buddy Rick Knox, uh, who's a referee in AEW now, he had a Southern California wrestling magazine called Scrap. I think it stands for Southern California. I forget what it stands for, but it was Scrap Magazine. And uh, on the cover, it showed me with the title, my skull makeup, because I used to wear like Misfits makeup skull, you know, here and there. And it said, finally, you know, Brawl and Bo <laughs> wins the EWF title, which was, you know, true. And uh, it was definitely one of the most meaningful things I've done. And, and you know, it, it felt good that after all those years of busting my ass and staying loyal to, to Jesse and, you know, and, and the Empire Wrestling Federation, that they would have given me the reward back. And saying, okay, you know, you earned it, kid. Here you go. Here's here's the title. Run with it. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a pretty meaningful night. Yeah, that's cool, bro. It's, it's always good to to hear those stories of how like a uh, uh, all the hard work finally paying off at the end and getting that that payoff. Um, yeah. uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, GQ Money, uh, your friendship with him, and uh, having the opportunity to work for XPW at Cold Day in Hell. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about You've done your research, man. That's awesome. <laughs> of course. I don't bro. mean to cut you off, but you did some good research. I like that. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I, I pride myself on it. Um, but uh, this is, yeah, uh, this is a loaded question. Um, working at XPW at this show, working with him, um, I know you were making a, trying to make a name for yourself elsewhere, but I, I would have thought I would have seen your name on a few more XPW shows during this time period. Uh, why was uh, it, it so rare to see you working uh, for this company? And, and please tell me a little bit about your friendship with GQ. Uh, I'll start with the fact that, um, like I, I noted previously, like Rob Black had his group of guys that he loved, you know, that well, he had a guys that worked that GQ money was one of them. You know, he, he took a chance on, on a group of guys. He made them the characters that they became and they worked very well on TV uh, for XPW. And, you know, I, I was all over the place, uh, you know, and I think that he knew at the time, like, even if he, I don't, I don't even remember if he remembers me back then. I, I came into the wrestling school one, one time trying to get a job with XPW and I, I from the vibe I got with Rob at that time 18 years ago if I can remember correctly he wanted loyalty which is understandably so because he had a big thing going he doesn't need to have a million guys travel all over and then have right. come to XPW so he wanted the originality of guys that were either established legends that he was bringing in that have already you know been champions like ECW with Shane Douglas etc or he wanted a group of guys that he could make his own that would be you know special to xpw only so that's the that's the only thing i can say on that part um and i'm assumptuating i guess a little bit on that but i i pretty much am positive that's the reason why i never got the chance to work for xpw back then um brian katz is the smartest dude i know in professional wrestling uh he's the most innovative he's the most smartest dude i know when it comes to having a mind for the business having fun ways of making a match more creatively visual i mean i know that sounds like a really cliche thing to say but he comes up with some of the funniest coolest things that i've never even seen in pro wrestling um being a part of cold day in hell with him was an honor it was fun because he actually passed the torch 
and let me become his character of, of you know, the Clockwork Orange gimmick. Uh, and he called me BB Coopwork, you know, which is Clockwork <laughs> from Coopwork. Uh, so, yeah, getting the chance to work uh, with him in front of that big crowd, man, that was awesome. Um, we really vibed well together uh, backstage, uh, personally, and in the ring. Um, I was just like bodyguard manager type ordeal for that show. Um, right, he had the rubber match with Angel, I believe that's what it was, and, and it was a great match. Uh, I got to be involved and beat up Angel a little bit, like my, my old buddy Angel, you know, a great guy. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you've watched the match of that, uh, you can see how, what I'm talking about when it comes to the, the originality, because... You know, GQ Money is in the ring at one moment, disappears while I'm kicking Angel's ass. The next thing you see is a cameraman pop up like a normal cameraman would on the apron. And then a fireball comes shooting out of the camera. And, you know, <laughs> there's the win for GQ Money when he unzips the hood and reveals it's him. So <laughs> I didn't even know that was the ending. I mean, I, he wanted to keep that quiet because it was so spectacular of his disappearance. So, uh, but yeah, man. Uh, I'm proud to say that uh, I am friends with GQ, man, because he's done uh, tremendous, tremendous things uh, when it came to leaving, you know, the independent scene. Uh, me and him had a great career versus career match. Um, that was an amazing match for me and him because I was, I think I was like 17 years in at the time. I'm so terrible with time frames. And he was like 14 years in. And the buildup in California, because people really didn't know who was really going to leave. I mean, that's the cool thing about that because I could have been retired at 17 years, you know, and I should have been probably, and he could have been retired at 14 years, but we had a great match out here in my hometown of Simi Valley, California at the boys and girls club. Uh, it was a pretty packed house. And uh, when he got signed to WWE, you know, I was very happy for him. I was very happy for him. And he had a long run. I mean, I, I yeah, he had a really great run, you know, and his release recently, uh, I felt sad, but he said, don't because I, I enjoyed every moment of it. And it's one of those things where now he can say he put his mark on the WWE legacy when it comes to creating you know, NXT guys and, and, and helping them begin their journey, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised to see that he got released because he'd been there for some time. And well, I'd only ever heard really good things about um, his input with the company. Um, right. I think there'll be a, ever an opportunity going forward where you two can, uh, could reunite uh, in the scene somewhere um i would hope so at one point but i mean yeah you know he i'm kind of over that you know whole thing though that's what he says you <laughs> call him smiley man the boys call him smiley because he has the big smile on his face all the time and he's just like ah i'm going in a different direction now Bo. but you know you're still my buddy you know um but no it's uh I would hope to, you know, one day do something with him again. I mean, that it would be special just to hang out with him, you know, at this point, because he lives in Florida now. Uh, but we talk, we're on the regular, uh, we, we keep in contact, you know, he's a busy guy. And I just saw that he took a booking for a, for a company up in uh, Florida. I, I heard it went well. I and mean, they had some legends on it, like Bruce Beefcake or something, Boca Raton Championship Wrestling, I believe it was called. So it's cool to see him finally get you know back in the, the wrestling scene you know it was only been a short while since he got released but i know he was trying to work on some music stuff which he's a very talented guy with music as well i mean i'm surprised record labels aren't you know calling him up every day trying to get a gig with him because he's really talented with music right but he's doing yeah. it but he's doing the podcast you've heard his podcast right with brian uh, bg james oh no I, oh i did not i wasn't aware no so road dog it's called Oh You Didn't Know, and yeah. Brian Katz have a podcast now, and oh, it's on Spotify. Yeah, it's on Spotify, and it's it's fun, man. I think there's only three episodes up right now, but uh, I definitely have have enjoyed listening to it. It's really cool to hear them vibe together. 
Oh, Bryce, sorry, I'm just having a bit of a hard time with my headphones here. It's okay. Can you hear me? I can. It's just for some reason my headphones have disconnected from my computer. <laughs> Technical difficulties. It's just so annoying now. I'm going to have to fix this in post-production. It's all right. I know how it is. If we were live, pal, that'd be one thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know what is with this uh, computer, but sometimes the headphones disconnect and then all of a sudden your voice is coming through the computer. Okay, we're back to normal now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, all good. Uh, that'll all be recorded. Uh, so it, it wouldn't yeah, you have can to edit it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so anyway, uh, the next thing I wanted to ask you about, because I, I, tried to find as much information about you as possible. I had seen in another interview that you had wrestled in Mexico, but I couldn't find any information on any of those matches uh, anywhere. Yeah. Um, Neither can I. If you, if, you, if you find them, let me know, because I've been searching for years on them. I mean, I know, I don't know, I don't even know what date it was. I know that it was there. I was there and I wrestled uh, in Tijuana at the world famous auditorium. Um, I was actually dressed as Doink the Clown for my first time. Uh, it was it was me as Doink the Clown. Um, Honky Tonk Man was my partner and Parato Morgan. And we went against the, 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 the luchadors known as Los Brazos, which was Super Porky and his brothers, the arms. Oh, right. yeah. And uh, that was an awesome experience, even though I forgot my wrestling boots somehow. I don't know how the hell that happened. So I had to use a pair of Asics, which, you know... <laughs> <laughs> didn't look too great for me. Like, what, what can I do? I don't know how I didn't pack my own boots, but I always get ribbed for that still to this day with my trainer. Um, but yeah, that was an amazing experience. Uh, I was nervous as hell. I mean, I, I was, you know, a gringo in, in these people's world. So was Honky. I mean, he, but he, I think, you know, from my point of view, um, having the chance to, uh, there was like probably like 10,000 people there. So it was huge. I mean, that auditorium fills up to the brim. And, you know, when it, when that crowd, that was the first time that I got to be in front of a crowd that was just oh, deafening. You know, you can just totally hear the, the, the inner, you can, you can feel the energy, I should say, you know, like um, it was awesome. I mean, the, the guys took it pretty well on me. They didn't kick my ass. You know, I was kind of nervous at that because I'm a gringo going into their world. Uh, but super porky, man, he was super fun. And he, he took, he took uh, no liberties on me. Um, we had a good match from what I remember. Uh, and just being there with my trainers and getting the opportunity to wrestle in a, in a different country, you know, that's amazing to me. Um, so, and then I went back one other time um, and I wrestled uh, uh, as myself. Uh, I got my ass kicked. By, by a local luchador, uh, Black Shadow. It was a smaller show at the time. It wasn't anything, you know, like the auditorium was. Uh, but I just wanted to go back and experience it for myself and see, you know, what it was like as Bo Cooper rather than, you know, Doink the Clown. Um, but it was still fun, both trips. I mean, I, I regret nothing on either one of those because it was it was an awesome experience. Yeah, I would imagine it would be pretty uh, interesting uh, going down there and, and uh, you know, seeing the difference between working in front of the, you know, American audience than the Mexican audience. Um, another guy I wanted to ask about you working with, uh, I don't know how many times you worked with him. I just saw that it was one time, could be wrong. Uh, 20th of October, 2007, Necro Butcher. Uh, what's it like working with Necro? Well, I'll tell you, man, I don't fear a lot of people. And, you know, at that time, <laughs> Necro Butcher was hot, hot, hot on the indies. I mean, he's still going strong, man. He's, he's, 
he sh I showed up to that building, you know, preparing myself for a, a fight. And that's what I got. I got a fight. Um, talking to a guy like Necro Butcher, you wouldn't think that he's as hardcore as he is because he's very soft, well-spoken, very humble, very cool. But he'll punch your fucking lights out, man. You know, and he gave me a good shot, chipped my tooth a little bit, and I gave him one right back. And then we went and had a couple beers. But um, <laughs> he, he definitely brought the fight to me. Um, I was in a town that I was very well known at. And uh, he had to, you know, show those fans who were cheering for me all night who he is, um, because it was more of a local like bar crowd type of, you know, crowd rather than a diehard uh, wrestling yep. crowd. Um, but they they enjoyed every minute that we kicked the shit out of each other. Uh, we did, you know, the, the, the tables, the chairs, the thumbtacks, the, the sitting down bar bar fight, you know, punch, 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 punch. <laughs> um, Necro's great, man. Necro's great. I, that was another guy that I was excited to see and, and catch up with at XPW. So it was really, I mean, man, he's put his body through the ringer and, you know, I'm glad to even see him, you know, with us because he went through a very bad sickness and, you know, I, I don't want to touch base on it too much, but for, from what I know and from what he told me, how bad off he was with health um, and going out there at the last XPW show and just taking it to I think he wrestled three guys that night and it was all three of them were just <laughs> brutal matches. So, yeah, um, I mean, he's definitely a, a tough son of a bitch, you know, but good friend. I like Necro. Yeah, that's cool, man. I just, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I had heard that he wasn't well for quite some time. And so I was surprised at how he seemed like after all the years of abuse on his body as well, how in, 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 he seemed like he was in quite good shape at California. Um, yeah, he looked good out there, man. I mean, he, he was kicking ass, taking names. <laughs> oh, um, I, I kind of wanted to uh, ask you about, you know, being on the road. Uh, do you have any fun or scary road stories? I know traveling, there can be a lot of near misses here and there. Uh, or any fun stories of, you know, spending time in the bar after the show? Oh, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it's always the best part of the night, man, is when you got a good match under your belt and you go have that feeling of adrenaline rushing through your body. And, and you know that you did a, a great performance for the, for the craft that you love, for the fans that paid their hard earned money and they, they show respect. And then you're hanging out with your friends afterwards, having some cold brews and, and talking over fun situations. And, you know, as the night progresses, guys will be guys. And then, you know, you get to see some fun ribs play, you know, take their part. I mean, I've seen a lot, um, you know, but also, you know, getting just the chance to, to bond with your friends out there, guys that you've never even met that you do become friends with, you know, like, for instance, you know, Silas Young, man, what a great talent. I knew who he was. I was aware of his work. I never really, you know, watched him a lot because I don't watch wrestling that much anymore. And uh, but he's been doing it longer than me. I think he's been doing it like 26 years or 25 years. And uh, we had a mutual respect for each other right after the, you know, the, the, the match. And we went and had a beer in the back and said, thank you. And you know, stuff like that is 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 is, is what makes pro wrestling, uh, you know, fun for me now. Um, because uh, my body can't go the way it used to anymore. Um, but being on the road, I mean, if you would say, I mean, I've I've traveled to you know Arizona, Colorado, Mexico, Florida. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I've been other places. I just can't remember right now. Um, Vegas. Uh, my wife's like trying to name places. <laughs> she always was with me, man, at the time. She's my road, she's my road dog. Um, but yeah, I mean, being on the road and just meeting new talent is always cool. And, you know, seeing who out there, seeing other people's 
craft and, and, and what they can perform like compared to like, you know, some of the matches I've seen out here is always cool. And, and, and yeah, I mean, there's always fun, fun, fun stories after, you know, I remember one story we, we uh, ribbed this kid. This is just a random rib <clears throat> three o'clock in the morning, knocked on his door, set up a big water, uh, big set up a trash can filled with water to the brim, like the big trash cans. <laughs> tilted it knocked on the door and just ran and he opened it and you could just hear the water <laughs> flooding all over his room you know i'm surprised we didn't get sued for that you know afterwards but i don't think no one knew who we were uh but just stuff like that you know fun innocent little ribs never uh bothered never never did no harm to anyone you know <laughs> i like that that's a good one um jimmy superfly snooker i just want to ask if it was true that you work with him um i again i couldn't find uh any footage or anything like that or <clears throat> any match results of or time or date or anything like that but i just i have, I have pictures of it yeah i know i, I have, have pictures of it um yeah jimmy jimmy snooker man uh that was an opportunity i got uh in arizona which is about seven hours from where i'm at right now uh bill anderson jesse hernandez got me the gig i i went up to a, a federation up there local up that was local to them arizona and I got the opportunity to be in the main event, man, with Jimmy Snooker. They needed a big heel uh, so that, you know, could put some heat on him and have his big comeback with the splash. Uh, I remember being a little nervous with that because he was very quiet and he was smoking like crazy, man. He was just, you know, puffing, puffing. We'll go over in a minute, brother, brother. And I just sat there. And I said, <laughs> whatever you need, whatever you need, Jimmy, I'm here for you, brother. You let me know when. And then I think it was shit, probably about 20 minutes, not even 20 minutes, probably like 15 minutes before we went out. And he just said, Put the hit on me. I make my comeback, brother. Big splash. We go home. I said, you got it, sir. And uh, it was fun. It was great. You know, that fucking splash, though, man, hurt. I remember that. And I was thinking to myself, like, after all those guys, he's done that, too, especially off the top of the cage. I figured, you know, it wouldn't have been so bad. And I'm not saying he did it on purpose or anything, but it, it definitely, you know, he's a he's a buff guy. Even back then, he was a little bit older. You know, he's probably, I don't know, 57, 60 years old at the time, maybe. And him coming crashing down on my ribs, I was like, oh, but I mean, it was great. I mean, giving the footage that I have of the two pictures that I have um, is is, a, is definitely a life cherishable moment for me to wrestle a guy like Jimmy Snooker as well, you know. Cool, bro. Um, I also want to ask you, uh, through your time in pro wrestling, uh, in any of the companies that you kind of spent more time at, was there an angle or some sort of story um, that you're most proud of being a part of? Uh, maybe like a, a feud with a, a certain uh, performer. Uh, any sort of angle that really stands out to you as something that you're proud of? Well, definitely the GQ Money career versus career match. Um, I mean, that had a big buildup to it. Um, like, I, like I stated previously, that was a fun buildup that I think a lot of fans in California really wanted to figure out what was going to happen. Um, you know, most of the time at pro wrestling, wrestling fans are pretty smart and they can determine, Hey, I think this is what's going to happen. But I really feel that they did not have an idea of who was going to win that. Um, cause he was a champion at the time, uh, in the company when I, when I, when I beat him, it wasn't for the belt. Um, I remember having good matches with the very young, talented guy out here, uh, like has kind of drifted off the scene, but he, he could have made a million dollars in the, in, in this business. His name was Mikey Henderson, suicide kid. And, uh, he's done a lot back in the day. He had many tryout matches with WWE. He broke in, uh, the same era time I did. And he was a very, very muscular kid, very athletic, very, very good body. Um, and we had matches when we were younger. And I remember just 
having it flow so smoothly because he was so talented and I was green. He was green, but he also had a lot more. Uh, I think he, he had like two years on me. He had two years already in the ring. Um, but I remember when I got the opportunity to work him, uh, I loved every second of it because it was just such a great match. It, we could just do moves and moves and moves and they, he would make me look good. And some of the stuff he did were so innovative. I remember him giving me a, like he, he would hook his arm. He would go to the top rope. I'd be against the turnbuckle. He'd hook his arm like a reverse DDT and he'd do a front flip and I would take the bump forward. So I, I haven't seen that ever anymore. I mean, unless someone does that, I haven't seen it. Um, that was always fun working Mikey Henderson. Um, one of my funnest matches was, was me and Sabu, man. I mean, I would say that being in the ring um, with, with Sabu, I always wanted to work him. And that's why I thought to myself, hey, that's perfect closure. Uh, after a 23-year career, I'll, I'll go ahead and take it home. Uh, what a better way to have a big, you know, tough guy like myself, Rude Crude and Tattooed, be in the ring with the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal Sabu and, and have mm. it in my career. Um, but you know, I got the itch and most like, like most wrestlers do, they come back somehow, some way, but yeah, man, Sabu's great. Uh, I was really sad after the fact, um, because I want to say shit, it was probably only a couple months after, um, you know, I got the news that, you know, Jeannie passed and that was really, really sad. Um, that was really, really sucks. Uh, she was great. Um, so yeah, man, that's always going to be a, 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 a bittersweet moment for me to be in the ring with them too, you know? Yeah, I, I, I had interviewed him, uh, and it wasn't a couple months later. Um, cause I remember hearing her in the background kind of reminding him of things when I was asking him questions. What year was uh, that? Uh, <clears throat> cause I'm really terrible at time frame. So I'm, I mean, I, I know. Let me just quickly check, but, um, <clears throat> He, uh, he, he would, um, during the interview, he would kind of uh, forget what he was talking about just because, you know, he'd go off on tangents and all that. Um, it says I, I, I put the interview out a year ago. Um, okay. So, okay. so maybe, it was, maybe it was like almost a year <clears throat> after the fact because I remember, I, I know that I was, you know, I was talking to her um maybe about four months after the fact that i was in the match with her so yeah it was right. only a couple months and then i realized that she passed away I'm like oh, i don't know but yeah that's really sad i mean I, I could i feel bad for the guy because i talked to him here and there through messenger just to check up on him and he tells me mm -hmm. all the time and i'm hurting i'm breaking my heart's breaking yeah. i mean who wouldn't that was the love of his life you know yeah definitely bro um but definitely sabu was on my top list of of you know uh, having a having a good time in there in the ring with them absolutely um i wanted to ask you a little bit about millennium pro wrestling uh seemed like uh it's something that you've been a part of uh in the last few years at least um yeah tell me a little bit about mpw uh well when i was a part of mpw i was their champion i beat ryan taylor i had the um career versus career match with gq money through mpw uh, yeah. I was presented. I was presented with the Hall of Fame uh, plaque from the owner and the uh, operator of the federation, and um, I was a trainer there for a while. For actually two years, I, I was training some of the guys that would come through, try to be pro wrestlers uh, through the school, the Millennium Wrestling Academy. Um, I don't want to dwell too much on that because it's a negative time in my life, but it's one of those things where. Uh, 
certain situations changed, political ways played their parts, and uh, things happened there where I never really got to say my truthfulness of a story that was told and, and little situations that came about to make it where I would look like the bad guy. And I know in my heart the truth, uh, people that know me, such as legends in this business, know who I am, know that I'm a good person. And there was just some bullshit accusations and weird, nothing too crazy, just just a bunch of kids trying to act like I was bullying them, pretty much. Right. Uh, and then, uh, so we we ended it, and I said, hey, you're doing your thing, I'm doing my thing, you know, that's it, so... No worries, right? I sorry, I had no idea that. that no, uh, no, it's cool. I mean, it's a part of my history, and that's what's it's it's bittersweet for me too because there was so many great things that mm. did take place through MPW, and you know, I'll always remember those in a good light rather than have it end on such a negativity of you know, like I stated previously, man, when we first started talking about how the business has changed, I maybe needed to be more open minded on the aspect of going with the time changes rather than being so old school and focusing on the way I was taught and the hard hitting and, and just trying to really, you know, press the issue of training and how hard, how important it is. Nowadays, everyone wants to play Russell and they want to just show up with their buddies and, and go to a school and get handed belts. And I'm not for that, you know, and if you're going to pay your dues in this business and you're going to try to become a pro wrestler, like I was taught and you're going to be under me, I'm going to teach you the right way. And if you don't like it, then you can, say whatever you got to say and call me a, a, a big bully, but I know the truth. So <clears throat> yeah, no, nah, fuck that, bro. The, 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 the old school ways, the, the only way, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, shit, I wish, <laughs> I wish, I mean, and I'll never change who I am as a person, as a trainer. I mean, I still, I have my ring uh, in my garage. I, I got my little small group of core students that I'm still continuously to train and they're doing really well. Um, but even with them, I see, uh, nothing negative, but I see the difference in generation of, of people, you know what I mean? Compared to, <laughs> it's just a different world up there now, man. It's just a different world. And these kids, you know, they just want to be pro wrestlers like I did at one point, but it was a, di it's a different, it's a different way of going about making you a pro wrestler than it was when I was getting broken into. Right. Very interesting stuff. If that Florida. makes sense. I mean, it I does. Know it, sounds no, it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, the, the health of the California indie wrestling scene today, uh, I just wanted to know what your thoughts are on the current scene over there in California. As in, like, is it going strong or what do you mean health? Yeah, is it going strong? Like, uh, how is it going? There Are there a lot of companies around there at the moment? I know we've got XPW that pops up here and there now, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there, there's some, I mean, you got PWG, which is always drawn out, uh, sold out, you know, shows, Um, you know, the, they, they fly in some of the top talent guys from indie shows that are hot. Uh, you got companies like, I mean, like I said, I haven't watched wrestling in a long time. Um, I, I read the results here and there. Uh, I know there's a company called PCW that does really well. They sell out big venues. Uh, Santino Brothers, uh, me and Joey Chaos are old school friends. Um, he's yeah. doing pretty well with this continued success with all his students. I mean, he has guys all over the world that he's trained. Um, Santino brothers are doing shows again now, and they're, it looks like they're doing pretty well. Uh, so props to Joey on that. Um, Empire Wrestling Federation, my hometown, is still the longest running federation in all of California. So they're, they're, they're still selling out shows. They just had their big anniversary show, man. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some pretty, pretty decent shows out here in Southern California that are, 
that are drawn well and seems like the wrestlers are happy with the continued work. Excellent. Um, I have to kind of move away from wrestling here because I want to ask you about your passion for punk rock and uh, your passion for horror movies and films, characters. Um, how did you, you know, uh, fall into becoming, uh, you know, obsessed with this with this stuff? Uh, you know, how did you become a fan of punk? How did you get into horror? Well, the horror, like I said, man, I've always found it Halloween fascinating. You know, the, the holiday itself. I loved as a kid, you know, going out in the night and seeing all the jack-o'-lanterns on the streets and dressing up in scary costumes as a young kid. And then um, I really loved the anarchiness of the, the holiday of anything can happen, you know, like the craziness of Halloween. But when it comes to the horror movies, I started watching horror movies uh, behind my mom's back at a very young age. I, I remember the first time I saw children of the corn uh and the dirt rolling and the sacrifice of the craw of the corn and i mean she, she she definitely didn't want me to watch these movies but i would somehow find a way to sneak down and, and turn the tv on very low at the middle of the night and, which is pretty weird to be a kid wanting to see like you know blood and guts but that's just what i love man i remember raising enough money man with my buddy washing cars in the neighborhood to go see pet cemetery and getting scared shitless because zelda and that that movie freaked the shit out of me and uh, the Exorcist, you know, I saw that at a very young age. Uh, I was actually uh, like three in the morning. It came on. I fell asleep in my bunk bed or something. I don't remember. And like I turned on the TV. Or it was still it, the TV was on. I remember waking up to like the screaming of it and watching it. And I was just <laughs> petrified. So I put my cover. I was like 11, dude. Um, so, yeah, that just stuck with me. And then um, I always just loved horror movies. I, I, I always went to the VHS rental store and, and on a Friday or Saturday and I got bunch of snacks and watched horror movies all weekend you know rather than playing video games i was a horror movie nerd um and then when i got older i started going to conventions um out here in california they have big conventions called like monster palooza and i started becoming friends with some of the biggest horror filmmakers slash makeup artists slash you know uh business businesses that are producing props and masks and costumes and I networked myself into becoming cool with all these really respected, well-known horror people. And people don't realize how big of a genre this has taken. It's, you know, across the nation. I mean, horror, horror conventions are selling out just as big as Comic-Cons now. Um, and I actually became friends with a guy named Chris Zeffro, who owns, uh, and, and Justin Mabry. There's two guys that own Trick or Treat Studios. And I became friends with them. I was a fan of their work. I would buy all the Halloween masks from Trick or Treat Studios. <clears throat> and uh, I had, a, you know, obviously a job growing up besides just pro wrestling. I was always good at sales and talking and doing business uh, here and there through different companies, selling products of different types of merchandise and stuff like that throughout my sales career. And I told him, I said, if you ever need a guy in sales, let me know, man, because I could, you know, sell these better than any passionable thing that I would try to sell, you know, and he said, oh, I'll keep you in mind. And then opportunity struck its course. And I got a call from him and we we we, we signed a contract or, a, a, you know, not contract. We signed a, a deal to become have me become a part of the company. And it's been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, man. It's 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 my passion. It's my career. I've been with Trick or Treat Studios now for four years and it's 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 a blessing. So. Are you That's familiar great. with the company? I'm not. No, I, I, I haven't really watched a lot of horror films in my time. Um, yeah, from what I can see, you're more of a Roger Rabbit and Bart Simpson kind of guy. <laughs> Finally, someone noticed that it was Roger Rabbit. Very cool. <laughs> I've been waiting for <laughs> so, someone yeah, to bring it up. <laughs> that's my that's my uh, little story when it comes to the horror scene you know I mean I'm wearing the wolf mansion. I don't know if you can see that but it's a wolf mansion right now. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. 
but punk rock music, I mean, I just loved it since I was a little kid, uh, teenager, I should say. Uh, first album I ever bought was Misfits. Um, you know, that's why I, when I would wear the skull makeup years ago, I would always give the homage to the Misfits, you know, because I always thought they were one of the coolest punk core bands in the world. And, you know, obviously getting older and listening to some of the bands like Circle Jerks and Black Flag and, you know, Dead Kennedys and, you know there's so many to name um but yeah those that i just i love the aggression i love the whole style of of you know being expressing yourself on stage with anything that can happen type stuff you know when it comes to those lyrics it's just awesome yeah cool bro yeah i'm a big big punk guy too especially the old school stuff um speaking of horror i wanted to ask you this is the last person i'm asking about having you having worked with speaking of horror you worked with a human horror film supreme in 2009 may rest in peace um sure. just want to know uh you know because california there was a, a tribute to him and all that um i wanted to just uh hear if you had any personal stories of working with or, or knowing the man known as supreme uh, I got to work with Supreme um, through his cousin, Chaos, uh, for Santino Brothers uh, Wrestling Promotions. Um, I think the first match that I had with Supreme was in Newhall, California. And I think we tagged, maybe, we, maybe I wrestled, no, we wrestled each other first. And, uh, you know, he is the man that brought hardcore pro wrestling uh, to a different style in California. I mean, he is the man that took so much shit on his body and just put his body through the ringer for the fans. I mean, he beat, he's the human horror, you know, film. I mean, he, he literally would just give his body to, to show the fans that he's one of the baddest motherfuckers out there. And, um, you know, me being in the ring with him, um, I didn't do as much crazy stuff as he did, you know, the light tubes and, and, the, and the crazy uh, bumps that that guy took. But I, I respected him from his legacy of being, a, you know, one of the hardest, hitting motherfuckers in the business and we hit it off pretty well um i have nothing but love and respect and i, I it's a sad tragedy of you know that he's no longer with us um and then i got the opportunity to tag with him afterwards that we did a storyline where you know joey said hey you guys are two badass tattooed big dudes why don't you become a tag team and you know wreck some dudes so <laughs> we got the opportunity to do that a couple shows and which was super fun super super honorable um and then i remember doing um we did, we did, uh, I think that was the only time. I, yeah. So I think I wrestled maybe like twice and I tagged team with him maybe two or three times after that. So it, it was, it was, it was a fun time, man. And me and Supreme definitely had some, some good stories and times to share, man, because he loves horror too. So right off the bat, we became instantly horror homies, you know? <laughs> That's cool, man. Um, uh, we get to the talent here, Bo, of this interview. I uh, wanted to give you the opportunity now to uh, plug anything that's going on right now uh, uh, or, or let your fans out there know what to expect next from Brawlin Bo Cooper. Well, they can always follow me on Instagram. It's uh, BrawlinBo13. Uh, I post you know, any upcoming shows on my story if I have some shows here and there. Uh, you know, this is something that I'm going to, ride until the wheels fall off you know and 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 my body's pretty shot but i'm not gonna ever not be a part of pro wrestling you know i'm not just gonna walk away from it it's in my blood it's in my it's in my brain it's in my fists and um you know the next thing that i can say is just keep an eye out man because uh xpw is getting big again and you know after 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 not being here for 18 years i think the, the you know from just having one show so far and then the next show they're going to be doing 
definitely is going to just continue the wave of, of righteousness. So keep your eyes out uh, for, for some awesome shows coming up with them. I'll be around. And then uh, Pro Wrestling Unplugged um, up north. You know, I, I work for Billy Blade still, and he has, I think the next show is June... 15th he has brian kendrick on the show i believe and he has crime time um not the one that passed away uh i forget the other guy's name jtj jtj yeah yeah so that'll be awesome and billy always does super well uh when it comes to drawing big fans up north i mean he has probably like 400 500 people that show up to the shows up in santa maria so that's always an awesome time um but yeah man i'm taking care of my guys and training students if anyone's interested they can always hit me up on instagram if they're serious um, you know, it's nothing fancy, but I'll teach you the right way. You know, hit me up at Brawlingbo13. And uh thanks for supporting, you know. That's all I can say. Yeah, no worries. Vern, everyone down there in the description on YouTube when this finally goes out, all the information on how to contact Bo will be there. Uh cool. Brawl and Bo Cooper, get into the final segment here of the interview. It's called Five Second Frenzy. The rule is supposed to be uh, five seconds to answer each question, but it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, it's just an unnecessary one-liners, right? <laughs> unnecessary bit of pressure for people. But uh, here we go, bro. Uh, who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Oh, that's such a hard one, man. Are we talking as a youth or are we talking as a worker? Because, I mean, if I had to say, I'd say warrior as a kid and then Owen Hart. That's cool. No worries. Two fantastic answers. Uh if you could pick one person that was your favorite opponent to work with over the years, who would it be? GQ Money. Excellent. Do you have a favorite match that you've performed in of all time? I probably would say with Honky Man, just because of how how well he took care of me and how fun it was, you know, getting to work with someone that I really adored as a kid you know watching him be the cocky heel and, and the music and him being an intercontinental champion and all that so yeah i would say hockey talk man excellent finally getting away from wrestling now uh favorite book shit favorite book <laughs> oh man you're making me think here uh probably <laughs> uh I haven't read a book in years, man. Can you tell? Uh, what, what's that? Yeah, my wife said the Bible. Um, <laughs> sure, I'll go with the Bible. <laughs> yeah, no worries. It's a fair choice. Uh, favorite TV show? Three's Company. Very nice. Uh, do you have a favorite film? I know this will be difficult for you. Give me a genre. You got to at least give me a genre. Favorite film of what genre? <laughs> Horror. <laughs> I mean, if I have to go with horror, I'm going to go with Halloween 1978. I mean, I have it tattooed on me right there. So, I mean, although I do love Halloween 3. I'm a huge Halloween 3 guy, believe it or not. You know, I have that tattooed on my head. So, but yeah, I would go with the uh, John Carpenter classic 1978 of, of Halloween if I had to choose one horror movie all around. Excellent. Uh, favorite musical artist or band? Social Distortion. Nice choice. Uh, getting away from the arts now, finally. Favorite food? Sushi. Very good. Uh, do you have a favorite place to eat on the road? Definitely not Waffle House because I've never been there, even though that's the mainstay of all the indie workers. Um, I mean, Denny's, I guess. If it's, I mean, if Denny's is horrible, but that's the main place <laughs> everyone ends up all the time, you know. 
Yeah, so, no, sorry, Diddy's. I don't mean to call it. Sorry to the people out there in Diddy's. I don't mean to call you horrible, but I've just eaten it so damn much over the years of after shows because it's the only thing that's open where we can all sit down and be, you know, loud and obnoxious for the poor waitresses. <laughs> yeah, we've had that it's on the show before. So, um, do you have a favorite alcoholic beverage? IPA beer. Oh, very nice, very nice. Uh, the second last one here of Five Second Frenzy here, Bo. It's the naughtiest one of Five Second Frenzy. Uh, favorite female body part? You see a good-looking lady. Where do Brawlin' Bo Cooper's eyes go to first? I would say, like, if she has cute dimples and a smile, man, honestly. I like a girl with, like, cute dimples and a smile, and if she... My wife's saying, oh, really? <laughs> I've been married for 20 years almost, man. So I'm sorry. I've been married since 09, uh, but we've been together for 20 years. So she's cool. She's one of the boys. She's traveled with me and, you know, she's gone in the locker room. So she knows, um, you know, it's all fun and games. But yeah, I would say a girl's pretty face if, you know, she has a nice smile. I'm a smile guy. That's a fantastic answer, bro. Uh, and the last one here. What do you normally get after that? I'm sure. <laughs> uh, well, Don, Don Morocco said that uh, he was an ass man. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would beg to differ if anyone said they weren't, right? I, mean, <laughs> I think my favorite one was Nikita Koloff saying he likes the shape of a woman. Oh, uh, that's, that was yeah, a, no, I can see that. That was an interesting answer. That's um, interesting. <laughs> the last one here, bro, is favorite curse word favorite swear word to 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 shout out or what would it be fact <laughs> f-a-c-k fact <laughs> i like that one too bro it's the first time we've had someone say that one for the for the show but uh, brawl and bo cooper what a joy what an honor what a privilege to have the chance to talk to you here today learn about your time in pro wrestling learn about the things that you like in life uh, it really means a lot to me that you, you took the time to talk to me. So I just want to thank you very much. And, and I want to tell you that you should be so proud of what you've accomplished in your life so far. And you've still got so much more to go. So um, just from the other side of the planet, congratulations on all of your success. Hey, man, thank you very much. And I will say one thing that uh, I've done a million of these podcasts and uh, you did some pretty awesome research and uh, it's been an honor to talk to you and uh, I thank you from the other side of the planet as well. And hopefully if you ever come out here, we can have an IPA together if you drink beers. <laughs> Sounds good, bro. Excellent. Well, thank you again, bro. All right, man. Thank you so much. And thank all of you out there for checking out the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm California. This is my new pal, Ron Cooper. And we will see you down the road. Thank you. <laughs>